What is going on, my people? Um, I am back. I know I've said that before. Lately, there's just been nothing that I really want to talk about going on. I can talk about um, the Ron Bell, Jennifer Penley situation, if you guys want me to, with, with Coach Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech. I don't think that's something you guys really want to hear me talk about, so I haven't been talking about it. Uh, one thing I did want to jump on today, and I'm just going to spend you know a quick few minutes, uh, drop in, say hello, let you guys know I'm still alive, you know. Good day to be alive. It's a beautiful day in Clayton, and I wanted to run through some stuff real quick regarding the Brad Brownell contract extension before I have to get out and spend about the next four hours in the yard uh, doing all that domestic responsibility bullshit. So, <clears throat> this week, uh, according to Sports Illustrated, Brad Brownell received what basically boils down to a three-year, $15 million extension through 2023-2024 uh, um, for those of you who may not know, or may not be up to date, Brad Brownell is the coach at Clemson, uh, formerly the coach at UNCW and Wright State before coming to Clemson in 2010. Uh, Brownell has a career record of 316 and 198. Uh, his time at Clemson since 2009-10 is, uh, 149 and 113 at, in, in Clemson. Uh, ACC finishes a 4th, 7th, 11th, 6th, 9th, 7th. 12th and third he's made two tournaments um this past year uh, made the sweet 16 this was their first tournament since his his uh his his first year in, in clemson at uh 2009-2010 you know this this extension uh, you know i we've all seen it coming for a number of months now we all knew it was coming he was considered to be on the hot seat before the season they actually reworked his contract uh, last year to reduce his buyout from I believe 1.7 million down to 850k something like that. Um, you know, to me, this is Dan Radakovich being Dan Radakovich. Dan Radakovich is the the uh, athletic director at Clemson. He is formerly the athletic director at Georgia Tech, so I'm I'm somewhat familiar with him. Uh, Dan Radakovich basically has zero interest in basketball. Okay. Dan Radakovich is a phenomenal fundraiser. He is the builder of buildings, the builder of benches, the builder of parks, okay? The builder of, of practice facilities, okay? He don't give a shit about Clemson basketball, okay? When he was at Georgia Tech, he basically bungled the Paul Hewitt firing followed by bungling the Brian Gregory hiring, Okay, he had no interest in basketball. He hired Eddie Fogler, which, by the way, given Eddie Fogler's track record, how does Eddie Fogler still have a consultant company that people are willing to hire to come out and, and place coaches at the college basketball level, the D1, the ACC level, the Power 6 level? It's ridiculous. The guy is the most overrated consultant I've ever heard of in the game and for some reason still receives work. But anyway, Radakovich... He, he, he's a fundraiser, okay? He, you know, he, he's the builder of buildings, the extender of contracts is basically how Georgia Tech fans referred to him. Um, you know, Brownell, you probably either had to, to extend him to give him some stability or you had to fire him. Obviously, you're not going to fire him after he goes to the Sweet 16 and has the best season they've had since 95, 96, 96, 97, something like that. So, Sure, you, I think you have to do it, but at the same time, it's 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 not inspiring. You know, Brownell is basically what he is is 
He's he's gonna I guess keep you mediocre, okay, fair to Midland, um, and he's not gonna bring any heat to Dabo, which is where it's at in Clemson, okay. Uh, Brownell also, uh, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm not a huge fan of Brad Brownell. I thought I just I don't think he's an ACC caliber coach. I think he'd be a great coach in another league. Um, his style, his the players he recruits, which by the way, struggled mightily on the recruiting trail lately. Um, you know, the Trey McGowan situation where he lost McGowan's to Pitt, you know, Jeff Capel obviously could be into some shady shit, but I don't know, you know, that he was a player, McGowan's, that was projected to go to Clemson, okay? Brownell couldn't close Zion Williamson in his own backyard, okay? Spartanburg is right down the road, okay, from the Clemson campus. And, you know, Coach K fakes an injury and sneaks off to Spartanburg overnight and sees Zion, and three days later he's going to he's going to Duke. So, you know, some of that stuff is outside Brownell's control, but at the same time he relies heavily on uh, grad transfers and transfers in general to build his program. If you look at next year's roster, Shelton Mitchell, Marquise Reed, Eli Thomas, all transfer players. Now, there's nothing particularly wrong with that other than it's difficult to – um, maintaining any kind of continuity in your program when you're constantly bringing in one or two year mercenary type players. Now, Reed hasn't necessarily been that, neither has Thomas. But when those players leave, okay, those three in particular, Mitchell, Reed, and Thomas, uh, all three could leave this year. Two of them will graduate in, in Reed and Mitchell, and Thomas will, at the at the very latest, be gone after next year. This roster, you look at this roster and you look at some of the recruiting losses that Clemson has suffered recently. Um, you know, Amir Sims is a nice player. He's not a player that is, um, I'm, I'm going to think, is going to lead this program to the tournament. Clyde Trapp could be a nice player if he, you know, works on his consistency a little bit, works on his, his jumper a little bit. You know, they do have a nice kid coming in this year in Hunter Tyson, 6'7", uh, combo forward, you know, wing type player. Uh, four-star kid, pretty good. Uh, Backcourt uh, player of uh, Johnny Newman the third, who is, I believe, the son of former NBA player Johnny Newman. Um, decent player, you know. I, I, I've seen some film on him when he was when he was being recruited. But again, these guys aren't aren't players that are really moving the needle on an ACC level, especially when you look at players that, you know, NC State. Uh, obviously Duke, North Carolina, Louisville is going to bring in these players. Even Pitt is bringing in some really talented players lately. So my question is, what happens when Reed, Mitchell, and Thomas are gone? Okay. My initial thought was when I knew that the buy or when I knew that the new contract extension was coming was Radakovich is going to do to Clemson what he did to Georgia Tech, which is put them in a position to essentially pay a huge buyout. Now, the difference, obviously, between Georgia Tech and Clemson is the football money, okay? Clemson makes a massive amount of money off their football program, national championships and college football playoffs and all that. They are a national brand on the college football scene. But Radakovich has still put them in a position where they're going to be eventually responsible for a buyout because I don't see Brownell being there through 2023-24. I just, I think after these three guys leave and him suffering... The, the defeats that he has on the recruiting trail and only being able to sign the players that he's been able to sign lately, I, I think it once these guys are gone, I think Clemson basketball goes into the tank a little bit, and they're going to have to eventually look at paying this buyout and getting rid of Brownell and, and upgrading their, their, their program's coaching. Now, 
what I did find actually to my, to my surprise was the, according to the terms, well, this is according to the, the previous contract, the, I couldn't find the buyout for the new contract, but it said that the provisions of the buyout had been changed. So these are the, the, the previous provisions, according to the contract extension that he signed in April of 2017, according to those terms, uh, Brownell had a buyout of 850 grand if he was fired before April 30th of 2019 and 425 grand if fired before April 30th of 2020. Now, those have changed. Obviously, they've increased. The buyout has reset um, probably to next year. Um, there'll be a certain amount, then it'll, it'll decrease in certain increments. I was unable to find that, but it all, you know, it gives him some semblance of security. So, you know, he's he's pretty well off if, in fact, you know, something happens in the next 12 months, which I don't foresee happening. Um, the new contract basically increases Brownell's pay from 1.8 million to 2.1 million per season. Um, you know, and, and I think what this actually boils down to is in the ACC, okay, well, in at Clemson in particular, because in the ACC, most schools are basketball schools. Clemson is not the case. Clemson, Florida State, Notre Dame, well, Notre Dame football isn't in the ACC, but you get the point. Those, those schools are basically football schools. Virginia Tech could be considered the same way. Uh, basically, you'd be fair, fair to Midland for damn near a decade at Clemson, and you make one sweet 16, you get a raise, you get a new contract, you get $15 million. Um, the real story here is that Clemson really doesn't give a shit about their basketball program. That's what this extension says to me. I mean, <clears throat> the guy's original contract was through 2021. I mean, he show me some consistency before you... Before I, I reward you. Now, Clemson's going to be decent again this year, I think. Um, it's going to be interesting how they play without Grantham and DeVoe, which obviously they played pretty well without Grantham last year. But Gabe DeVoe is a huge loss. Uh, Amir Sims is really going to have to step up there. And, you know, they need to uh, they need to show, have some players show some progression. And let's see what we get out of some of these freshmen. You know, what it really says to me about Clemson basketball right now is, hey, Brad, don't do anything to embarrass the program. Don't do anything that's going to bring the NCAA sniffing around your program that could eventually lead to them sniffing around Dabo's program because that's where all the money is, okay? You can't tell me that Dabo Swinney came to, to Clemson and made them the national power they are without getting his hands a little bit dirty. And for me, that's what this extension is all about. You know, be fair, be consistent. Don't do anything embarrassing that's going to bring NCAA heat on yourself and in turn bring NCAA heat on our football program that we already know is dirty. Because Clemson basketball is not uh, the first, you know, the, the main priority in that athletic department. It's obviously football. Some say that baseball is even second ahead of basketball, which I don't know how baseball makes any money. But, you know, I don't really keep track of any of that nonsense. Um, this is just, uh, you know... Keeping keeping Clemson basketball from being embarrassing while keeping Clemson football doing whatever they want to do, winning national championships and making all that money. Now, this got me a little bit interested, so I got into some ACC basketball coaches' salaries. This is in 2017-18 season. Um, there was one that I wasn't even unable to find because Pittsburgh is a private school. We, it's safe to assume that Kevin Stallings was making two to two and a half million, I think, probably somewhere in there. Because he was making damn near three or four when he was at Vanderbilt before he voluntarily left. <clears throat> so, number one, obviously, uh, Coach K, $8.9 million last year was his salary with Duke. Now, the difference between Coach K and number two, 
Number two is Tony Bennett at $3 million. So Coach K makes $5.9 million more per season at Duke than the next highest paid coach in the entire conference last season, Tony Bennett at $3 million. Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech makes $2.75 million. Mike Bray, $2.37 million. Now, Bray is interesting because he actually gets paid uh, like $1.225 million by Notre Dame. And then there's another uh, outside source of income revenue stream that he gets paid by play it by play by play sports or something like that, which is a media company, which is fairly interesting, but he rolls in at number four, Leonard Hamilton at 2.25 million, Kevin Keats at 2.2 million. This one was really interesting. Roy Williams gets paid $2.18 million per year. He's actually seventh in the ACC in terms of salary in 2017, 18, which is, which is interesting to me, I guess to say the least, not that it's good or bad, but it, you would think with UNC, such a high-profile program, such a high-profile coach, that Roy Williams would be making at least second most to, to Coach K. I mean, you'd think he'd be making more than Tony Bennett, which is I thought was really interesting. Uh, Jim Behan, $2.15 million. Brad Barnell, $1.8 last year. That's going to be bumped up. He'll be over two next year. Uh, Danny Manning, $1.78 million. Josh Pashner, Georgia Tech, $1.7 million. This is also interesting. Jim Laranega at $1.5 million. Uh, you could argue that Jim Laranega is a top five coach in the ACC uh, behind, I would say, what? Coach K, Roy. Yes, I know. Everybody's rolling their eyes. Coach Roy Williams is a good coach. I don't give a fuck who you, who you are. Um, you know, Tony Bennett and Bray, probably. I think I'd rather have Bray than Laranega. Um. You know, I, I, you know, and a lot of Syracuse fans are probably screaming right now. I'm I just not a fan of bedtime. Maybe, you know, 20 years ago, but lately, you know, they step it up when they're in the tournament, I guess. But, I, you know, eh, Jim Beheim doesn't really move the needle for me anymore. Uh, Jim Christian at $1.46 million. I actually thought that was $1.3 million. I'm, that may be a typo on my part. Again, Kevin Stallings, I couldn't find. And David Padgett <clears throat> last year was eight hundred thousand in his one season at, at Louisville. So just just a quick hitter. My thoughts on the Brad Brownell extension. Um, you guys may have seen on Twitter. I did announce that I'm going to be joined by Miami Hurricanes assistant coach Chris Caputo uh, here pretty quick. Um, obviously, with right now being the evaluation in the live period with AU, you know you got the Adidas Gauntlet, the Peach Jam just wrapped up. Uh, tournaments out in California, you know, all these AAU things going on right now is difficult for me and Coach Caputo to get matched up, but he will be on the show. I do promise you that, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to checking that out, or actually to to getting to know Coach Caputo because he's actually he was uh, one of the first people that followed me that had any sort of uh, presence on the ACC level, any of the coaches that followed me, and I thought that was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, he was one of the guys that I thought of when I started doing guests that I really wanted to have. And, you know, he got right back to me and he's excited about doing the show. And I'm really excited about bringing that to you guys. So uh, go to accbasketballreport.com. I'm doing the top 25 returning players in the conference list. I actually put a new one out this morning. Um, number 22. Go check him out. Um, number 25 was Anthony Lawrence. Number 24 was Phil Coford. Number 23 was Chris Likes. So two Hurricanes out of the gate and a Seminole. <clears throat> uh, check out my stuff on slapassign.com. I promise you that as you know, as soon as, the, as we get closer to the ACC basketball season, these podcasts will start coming in more consistently Sunday mornings, just like they always had been. But right now, it's a little bit of a slow news week. I got shit to do. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good weekend. Be safe.